Welcome to Paid in Puke, a podcast where three women with names discuss movies about something other than a man. Paid in Puke is hosted by Annie Malone, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. It's Paid in Puke Series 7, Episode 2. I'm Jessica Baxter. I'm Annie Malone. I'm Christina Barr. And we are discussing Ryan Murphy's American Crime Story impeachment miniseries. This is episode two, The President Kissed Me, directed by Michael Uppendahl and written by the showrunner Sarah Burgess. The President Kissed Me. Monica, how long has this been going on? We had an affair, it's over. This sounds like it is absolutely not over. They want to believe you. We just need to help them along. She was thinking maybe I could do some TV appearances. I would not advise going on TV. There's a bigger story, much bigger than this. I like the direction of this episode. Michael Eppendahl has also directed episodes of other shows that I personally like a lot. Legion, Mad Men, Fargo. Shows that I don't like, but I'm sure he did a good job. The Walking Dead. (laughs) (laughs) So the synopsis of this episode is, A despondent Monica believes the president has given up their affair and fears she won't return to the White House, so she confides in Linda. And Linda gives her all kinds of a shitty-ass advice. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, uh, Paul's lawsuit gains a new ally, Susan Carpenter McMillan, played by Judith Light, a conservative feminist who says that she wants to protect Paula's interests. And then, meanwhile, Ann Coulter is doing some fuckery, trying to get the president impeached, titular impeached. And a journalist arrives to question Linda. She... (laughs) <laughs> and Bubba's here. And she uh Bill Clinton nicknamed Bubba. <laughs> yes he was. That's really funny. This Special guest like cat. Yeah, just... Bubba's got some things to say about this episode. Um, I think we might have to open the door. <laughs> He doesn't care, except that the door is closed. Yeah, hello, Bubba. And then Monica finally gets to go back to the White House, and that causes all kinds of trouble. So let's talk about this episode. <laughs> wow. Yeah, a lot going on in this episode. Yeah. It starts with the government shutdown, and we get some backstory. The intern girl, <laughs> and how she gets enmeshed with the president. There is some great shots in this episode. Bubba, my god. Are you coming up or what are you doing? Yeah, the government shut down and everything is so serious seeming and like they round all the interns up and they're like everyone else is non-essential but lucky you. You're gonna go to the White House or the West Wing. Yeah. I don't know, like she's being primed for this big opportunity and the guy's like, you're gonna be working with people who run the world and I don't know, it seems like this very exciting thing yeah. happening. Why did they bring yeah. so many interns in at that time? Were they all unpaid? The interns are like always unpaid. Yeah. That's why so many interns showed up is because they weren't allowed to pay people to work, but they could still have right. their slaves what doing the work. Like bullshit internships where you work 40 hours a week and get paid nothing. Yeah. yeah. I've had one of those before when I was in college. That's a real racket, you know, the it whole is. Like, internship. God, we love as a country finding new ways to get around the whole, you know, slavery being a legal thing. We're like, but what if we do it like this? And it's just like another way to where privilege comes into play that people don't always get, you know, because that is a luxury. If you can afford to work for free, you know, it's just like another way where people think that things are equal and they're really not, you know, because those interns, like, yeah, they're working their asses off, but they have some leg up somewhere that they were able to to do that, to work for free, you know? Yeah. It's so interesting, too, because there's a correlation. I mean, I don't know Monica's actually financial background, but, like, the president says that she's high on the hog living in the Watergate Hotel, but she's, like, not really. (laughs) Yeah, she's pretty wealthy. She's from a wealthy family. Her dad is, like, a famous doctor or something and 
I mean, you'll see it in later episodes. I don't want to give too much away, but in the interrogation episode, she's very lucky that her parents had this lawyer. I mean, you can spoil it a little bit because I mean, it's like, you know this happens. happens. This, right. is, this is history. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> well, I don't want to give anything away in the exciting show. about the show away, but the fact that she's an intern in the White House, like her family had a lot of connections right. yeah. to get her that position. I mean, she grew up in Beverly Hills. and Right. Los Angeles, California. <laughs> yeah. Los Angeles, California. <laughs> LA, LA. Yeah. Los Angeles, California. Yeah. Like, as if anyone doesn't know what LA is. Yeah, the Watergate Hotel. Is it a hotel? I guess it's a hotel. It is a hotel. But people live in it. Her parents are divorced, but her mother, I guess, is moving to New York. They've got a lot of money. I think that she doesn't have a lot of worries there. Okay. Where that's concerned. One thing that comes up for me from this show is like, DC must be such an exhausting place. It's like everybody is so ambitious. I feel like that's like the only character trait that brings people to D.C. or brings people to politics is ambition, you know. It seems like it. It's all just like a game of chess where they're like trying to angle. Well, just that everybody's trying to get higher. Yeah, exactly. We talked about this last episode too, about how it's like Hollywood in that way. The game is becoming successful. You don't think of it as that because it's the government. They're supposed to be taking care of the country and doing important work, keeping all of the citizens safe and healthy and they're not doing any of that (laughs) they're just like fighting each other over positions yeah it really is like that in like companies too the high Mm -hmm. levels is very game of thrones yeah stabby yeah backstabby (laughs) you have to be built for that i think to get to that level i think they're all very ambitious people and they don't play fair at all it's like they don't want to go by the rules they're like it's all about character assassination it's worse than just power play positions it gets personal so fast yeah Ann Coulter, you see her talking in that scene about, like, oh, you guys are boring. Well, to be clear, the goal isn't to embarrass them. It's to constrain a president who has engaged in illicit activities. I'm bored. You're boring. That's the problem with you Republicans. You're a Republican. Mm, I'm a conservative. You're all too nice. What does that get you? It gets you dull. What's wrong with dull? Um, he lost? Idiotic American females couldn't wait to re-elect their fat boyfriend. Be that as it may, this case is all we have now. Right. What would you like me to do? She's out for blood. Yeah, she says they're too nice. They're Republicans because they're too nice. The conservatives are like the warriors. (laughs) I think her career was largely launched because of this whole period in time and this impeachment thing. It's crazy like how many people made careers out of this whole moment. Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of losers too (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah with paula jones you know lots of other women that were abused by him (laughs) yeah and how it has to be like the level of abuse what counts like the whole idea of linda trepp being like that's a small fish like what happened to kathleen her former alleged friend is like that's nothing she was assaulted by the president but not enough for it to matter and she's bitter that her friend yeah. got that full-time job yeah she's not so gonna she's help her in any not way. gonna back her story up she was legitimately you know assaulted yeah <laughs> by the president linda tripp is just like she's very pleased with herself that she has like this juicy story mm-hmm. you know and right well it's like there's really there's like three stories in this of like inappropriate workplace behavior right yeah it's like oh my god with each one the other people around it's like how does this help me politically or me personally or overall like with paula jones you know it's like the conservative women like care about this because it was a democrat and then kathleen willie like well that doesn't really is that really going to help linda tripp not especially you know but she can probably do something with monica which is not an example really of like harassment you know but problematic in its way but you know what I mean this is something that I can work with yeah and then eventually it'll come out and conservatives will be like okay we care about this because it's going to help us against Bill Clinton. Right. Yeah. Like, they prove themselves years later not caring at all about all the many, many women that Trump harassed. 
Right. And even straight up raped. And they're like, this doesn't help us to pursue this. Right. Or like, we've seen it yes. both sides of like Absolutely. people where, you know, we don't want to believe it if it's a Democrat and we do want to believe it if it's a Republican. And yeah. It's yeah. a real bummer. <laughs> you know, like, instead of just like, maybe it's wrong. Maybe women shouldn't be sexually harassed at work. I don't know. Crazy country. Yeah. When, right. No matter what the right. affiliation of the yeah. person doing it. <laughs> what a crazy idea. Just the different types of feminism, quote unquote. And with, what's her name already? I forgot. Uh, <laughs> Judith Light. Well, Judith, yeah. Mm-hmm. Susan Carpenter McMillan, the Coalition for Women, who's like a Phyllis Schlafly. Yeah. Like a feminist, but they're like a crazy kind of feminist. Wait, who? Susan Carpenter McMillan, president and founder of the Women's Coalition. We're a nonprofit that advocates for what I like to call conservative feminism. Okay. Wonderful. I was at an event for the Right to Laugh League and Susie came up and said she knew who I was. <laughs> I was doing a piece of commentary in support of Paula for our ABC affiliate. And I thought, oh my gosh, how nice. And she told me that she thought I was being treated poorly. Poorly is an understatement. I'm here to protect Paula's interests. How nice. I believe it's my right to serve my husband or it's my right to tell women what to do with their bodies. Right. Yeah, yeah. She's a pro-lifer. And, yeah. Or, yeah, that, that line where she takes Paula Jones to Nordstrom yeah. for the makeover and she's like... People get confused when I tell them I'm a conservative feminist. But the fact is, you don't have to be a lesbian or an abortionist to believe that a woman deserves equal respect to a man when she walks in the room. That's right. Mm-hmm. And that's what you deserve. And I want you to know that. Yeah. You know, it's just like, wow, okay. What like, world is she living in in, like, 1995 where it's, like, lesbians and abortionists, they're on top of the world. Like, right. That's who gets respect. You know? <laughs> or to believe, I think it's, like, to believe that you deserve respect. It's but still, still like... Pretty- what are you talking about? It is very, yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, she's like, that's what people think feminism is. You're a lesbian or abortionist? Yeah. But, but like, I'm a feminist. And mm-hmm. She's a very, like, girl boss kind of <laughs> yeah. person, I think. And I guess she must be, like, a really wealthy power player or something. Yeah. And, like, she has those dogs. <laughs> oh, that was so sad. She compares Paula Jones to her prized dogs. Yeah. And it's like, oh. That sucks. I don't know that I have ever been that proud. Not even when Paco won Best in Group at Pasadena. Not even when he won Best in Show at Silver Bay. I feel like that happened in the press, too. I feel like there was some comparison to Paula Jones and a poodle, maybe because of her hair. <sighs> People are so mean about her. I'm loving this performance by Emily Ashford. She's so good. We all awed out loud when she was like, I don't think anybody's ever looked at me and said I was great. It's hard because she's an earnest person who's really telling her story. And it's like, she's right. Like in the interview, she's like, well, I think he put himself here. Because the interviewer's like, this is just such an embarrassment for the president. Oh, yeah. Kind of as if she's putting it on him. Why are you doing this thing? And she was really like, I'm telling the truth about what happened. And if I can get to trial, the truth will come out. Don't you think this has created a huge embarrassment? For the President of the United States? You know, I didn't do this. He's the one that did something to me. He put himself here. I mean, that actually was a very insightful thing to say. She's really thankful for this woman who's helping her with her clothes and seems to be treating her nicely, but, I mean, this woman is using her as, like, this political pawn. Yeah. She's not at all what I thought based on the news. She's so sweet. Yeah, she is sweet. Dumb as a rock, though. Yeah, it's just sad to... Well, she's so earnest. She's a good foil for Monica because it's two different types of women who are both being used in the same way, but Paula's kind of not conventionally as intelligent or sharp as Monica. She's coming from a different socioeconomic background. She's not ambitious. But Monica is the opposite of that, but still being used... The thing they have in common is that the president wanted to fuck them. (laughs) Right, yeah. With Monica, like, her interactions with the president, I mean, he's just always talking about himself. 
And like, oh, my life is so crazy right now. You know, it's just like, uh, I just wonder how she would feel like watching this, this episode of her. <laughs> well, she was know, very like, heavily yeah, creatively involved in it. Right, yeah, but it must have been like. I like Wild. that line. Yeah, I like that line about it's the exchange between her and Linda about how Monica remembers things very well. Like she remembers quotes, verbatim quotes, and she remembers what outfits she was wearing. April twenty eighth, I went to an APAC fundraiser, and I wore my sage green J Crew suit, and I saw him there. Okay, next interaction. May first, he called at two o six a.m. and like an idiot, I picked a fight. I just like that because it really adds validity to the show. Allegedly, the dialogue behind closed doors is as verbatim as she possibly can recollect it, so. But it's especially interesting because, like, she remembers the dialogue, but then the interpretation is totally different. Like, her interpretation of what was going on at the time versus hindsight interpretation of it. Yeah. And him saying all the right things. Lest we forget that presidents are hired because they're good at talking. I've never come across any book quite as marvelous as this one. Have you read it? Uh, only some of myself. Oh, I should read the whole thing. It's, it's really special to me. And you are really special to me. Don't ever forget that. They're good at saying things that people want to hear. So and he's using that on her romantically. And making her feel like she's just so special yeah you know and the scene where she is on the phone and she shows her thong she actually did that she right did that. yeah mm-hmm. you can tell she's like so drawn to him and when that man focuses his attention on you the world stops it was magnetic it was unstoppable and i i couldn't breathe around him. it was it was beyond anything i'd ever experienced I'm so not drawn to him. Yeah. Yeah. Like when he was talking about like being in Florida and I was up by 20 points and I had it in the bag and then it was like a bummer because like no more fight. I'm like, I hate this guy. I was in Miami because damn it, if I weren't going to get Florida this time. And a pole comes out and has me beating Dole by 20 points. I mean, I've been polling well, but this was game over. You know what I felt, Monica? As I sat there in that hotel looking at that pole. I was fucking furious. Because it took away any notion of a fight. And I love to fight. I love it. This was the last campaign of my life. And it was done. I just like, if I was on a date with some guy down, I'd be like... Yeah. I know, and she's like... So she- not appealing to me, any of that. That's one thing you just can't get across on television and you couldn't get across even with the actual president clinton was the report that he has such natural in-person charisma right but it's only like if you're in front of him that it works yeah i I feel like you can have like charming charismatic characters in movies and tv but there must be something about him in person like they say his real animal magnetism and it's like it's not translating to me no. for sure it's got to be I like know. literally pheromones i guess, it, yeah. I guess like it must be you know i could kind of sense it i looked at that scene and i was listening to what he's saying and it's like so eye rolly you know yeah. but then i i kind of think oh well if i was like 21 and listening to that guy i probably would have Oh, God. Well, that is another thing, too, is that she is so young. And also, to her, the president, because she's like a government super fan, (laughs) it's like she's standing for a David Bowie or something. Right, (laughs) She's so smitten with everything that he is. And so it's hard for us to see that, but... It's also interesting to me because normally Clive Owen is a big yes for me, a big time would, but as Bill Clinton, I can barely see Clive Owen in there. Oh yeah, it's it's way more Bill Clinton. Yeah, (laughs) which is a great testament to his performance. So I'm curious, like what she says, when that man focuses his attention on you, the world stops. Have you ever felt that way about someone, ever experienced that feeling? Like that was totally alien to me. That's a great question. I haven't had that because he's like a larger than life, famous, powerful. I've never had that kind of. I've definitely felt I've never that. Been adjacent to any of that kind yeah. of person. I mean, I guess I just feel like I've heard people say that about people that just that they know. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I've oh. felt that way, like when I've been in love. 
you know, a couple times. Like, I could think of specific people who are not famous people who right. I've been in love with. I don't know. Like, I feel like when I saw Pulp in concert a couple <laughs> times, I would have, like, maybe swooned if Jarvis Cocker had looked at me directly. I felt the one-sided magnetism. So I can imagine if I'm feeling that way for someone who's not paying any attention to me, and then they do pay attention to me even a tiny bit, how that would be like, whoa! Even, like, people who aren't A-list Famous, like if I see like a D-list celebrity, <laughs> I I just get so starstruck. Really, like, I don't know mm. why, but that's mm-hmm. not like the same thing of like I'm so drawn it's to them. Not, but it's not not like, the same thing though. Because... That's true, but like I went to a book signing that Mark Marin he was like signing his book and had his podcast producer there because they co-wrote it and like I got my picture taken with him <laughs> and I got up to the line and I wanted to tell him like how much his podcast meant to me and all this stuff but I couldn't do that because I thought like oh I'll start crying or something uh-huh. And I just said, I'm not good at meeting famous people. And (laughs) I like your show. Not good at meeting famous people. And it was kind of funny because his partner was like, well, that's great because I'm not famous. It was kind of like a nice levity thing. But I was just like, it was like maybe that same kind of effect. I'm just like, I can't believe I'm talking to this person. Yeah. That's funny because there's that singer Dan Byrne that I used to be so into. I mean, I still love him, but I saw him so many times. And like, he's not like that big a deal. Basically, almost every time I saw him, we waited around after and got to talk to him. And there was one time, it was like the opposite experience. Rich and I were together. It was when we lived in Boston and we saw him somewhere in Massachusetts. And we waited for him and then we were talking to him. And then it was like, it was like kind of hitting on me. It was like so uncomfortable. <laughs> and he's like, so what do you call honey? <laughs> Rich was like right there, you know? And it was Whoa. like so weird. And it was kind of like, okay, I'm sure other people are waiting to talk to you. It was like kind of the opposite experience. Wow. I mean, obviously if I had been single, like it would have been a whole different story but even though I was so into that performer you know I had his attention and it was not like okay world's not stopping I'm like bye Denver nice talking to you right. <laughs> like you've literally never felt the world stop you're like I can only feel it marching on <laughs> I don't even have time for you Denver <laughs> because like when you do have that with somebody like they have power, power over yeah. you yeah. True. so like that's pretty cool that you're not susceptible to that <laughs> well they're just vibing yeah. the I whole mean, way i mean yeah, yeah. i always mean i'm single if i had ever been single any of the times that i waited around for denver you know i would have been up for it but he just kept talking and we're like hey, bye. <laughs> oh funny <laughs> There's a time when I was vibing with Eugene Merman at South by Southwest. And he invited us to another party. Did you go? Yes. Oh, nice. It was fun. He actually, like, couldn't get us into the other party, but he's like, I'm going to go find the guy I know in here that wouldn't let me in Burgos in, and my friend Jacob. He's like, I'm going to go find my friend that I know in here, and he'll let you in. And then we were waiting outside for such a long time. We were like, how long did we wait? He's just in the party now and definitely dished us. And, like, we were just about to leave when he came back and was like, okay, you guys can come in. And we were like, oh, my God, he came oh. back. Yeah. But then afterwards, like, we did lose him in the party. But he was totally cool. And Yeah, yeah he didn't I don't forget know. about you. But I didn't, it wasn't like, I don't know if I would have, like, done anything Eugene Merman asked me to do. It was just, like, really fun. Right. Like, would you have waited by the phone? <laughs> like, we were about to leave. I wasn't like, I will wait here all night until he okay. comes back. <laughs> he said he's coming. <laughs> It's interesting. Uh, let's talk more about this episode there. But that is a very interesting topic. Maybe that should have been our lunchtime poll. Have you ever been so smitten that the world stopped? The other thing is also just so down bad for someone that you like wait by the phone or whatever, you know. Yeah. Related but different. Oh my god. Yeah. She's so down bad. It sucks. Oh, oh boy. I love her friend Kat. Yes. Cat, a good friend. Such a good friend, making a lot of sense. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Don't hate me, but if I'm seeing someone and he only calls me twice a month, I would take that as a sign. He's the leader of the free world. He's busy. Yeah, he's the most unavailable man in the entire planet. <sighs> Somehow you've outdone yourself. Total Cassandra of like, this could be really bad for you if it got out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you think? Yes. Yeah, and she's not like... Oh my god, you're you're with the president, you know, like yeah. 
If anything, like, she's holding back. She's right, like right. not saying this dude is obviously a total creep. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, like probably treason to say that. <laughs> <laughs> she's been around to see this happen to her friend yeah. multiple times. She um, does say this is a pattern for you. Unavailable men. I'm officially freaked out. Oh, I know. You know I don't judge. <gasps> But you have this pattern. Uh, I was a psych major. I'm aware of my own pathologies. You get involved with an unavailable guy. He takes way more from you than he gives you. And then you end up in a really bad place. But I'm in love with him. Yes, and this is the most unavailable man you could... Yeah. Man, this episode, more than anything, just makes me so thankful for cell phones. Like, remember, like, if you were waiting for someone to call oh my God. you, you had oh, to literally yeah. be at home by the phone? Yeah, I guess she said she can't call him back, so even right. if he, like, left a voicemail, but... Or whatever, an answering machine message, I guess it would have been at the time. I think there was voicemail in was there? I think so, yeah. But still, yeah, if you can't call him back, then it's... Yeah, we're good as it. Although it does seem like their conversation is... They never show her... I don't know if that's just with their show or... Because he says, like, I don't want to talk about myself. I want to hear about you. But then they never show her talking about her. Right. Anytime they're talking. Yeah. It's always him saying stuff. Although maybe it's because, like, she doesn't remember what she said about herself. She just remembers what right. he said to her. Because I could see that being a thing. Right. And you can definitely see how... Oh, the burden of my brilliance and my... Yeah. Uh, I'm just <laughs> oh so God. burdened by all of the responsibility and the fights. Everyone's against me. And Which I guess is true. Yeah, <laughs> not... I don't know. I think he really likes talking about himself. Definitely. It sounds like he likes conflict because he was saying when it wasn't even close, I didn't like that. And supposedly he also loved like all the attention, like the crowds. I remember reading when he was no longer president and anytime he got to speak at like a convention that he misses that so much. Like the big crowds and crowds of people like cheering for him that that was the thing he missed the most after being president. Yeah. Like, <laughs> wow. I know. Oh, what about the scene where Linda's like, let's put all of this into a spreadsheet. Oh, oh I know. God. I was it's just... a totally normal thing to do. Are you seeing this? Look. You go where he can see you, and he calls you within two weeks. It's a pattern. Clear as day. <gasps> this spreadsheet is making me more depressed. What? Monica, look at the pattern. No. You know what I want? I want him to call me because he's actually thinking about me on his own. That is what I want. Well, of course you do. But think of how you'll feel when you get the call. That was very Such cringy. a fucking enabler of this woman. I mean, obviously it's like for her own gain, but hey. let's have a very clear let's record of everything that happened. Document. Let's do some documents. Yes. I mean, I know she was sort of right, but I feel like she gave the worst advice anyone could ever give when she's like, this sounds like it is absolutely not over. Listening to all this, this sounds like it is absolutely not over. What? Trust me, it's done. It's not done, Monica. What you're describing sounds real. You think you're stuck in exile because he doesn't have feelings for you? You have it backwards. When it's like he hasn't mm -hmm. called her in like a month. Or like how long has it been since she's even talking? You know, I mean, I just mm -hmm. feel like any friend, if someone is talking about a guy this way who treats him that way, you'd be like, this is over, cut him off, this is, not, you know. He's yeah. Mm -hmm. It seems like Linda, she's got her hooks in this story and wants the conversation to keep going. Yeah. So she can Absolutely. just like, this isn't over. And then of course that'll set Monica up for coming back to her. Oh my God, Linda, you were so right. You were so right. I, I was packed. I had my ticket. I was about to go get into a cab. Last minute I decided to stay and he called. He's sick and he sounded so tired, but he wanted to hear my voice. Linda. I can't believe it. How did you know? I have a gift, Monica. It's just no one sees it. Like, but she really is good at manipulation. Good yeah. It's a shitty thing to be good at, but that is correct that she's underappreciated evil mastermind. Right. And she's like <laughs> making her feel, we know there are so many women he's been with and they're still there, but you're here. That's because 
you mean something. Also, like, listen to yourself. Like, why is that a good thing? Right. (laughs) Even if there's any truth to that, it's like, what's the end game? Like, what is, what would the future hold? You know, what is Mm -hmm. their future? Bill and Monica. Yeah. Like, it doesn't really matter. Like, did Bill have feelings for her or not? They weren't going to be together, like, really. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Which is what she really needed. She needed to go to Portland to visit her friend Kat. and. Who's not going to say, keep sitting by the phone. Yeah. Yeah. To say exactly this about, yeah, like, this isn't good for you no matter what. Like, even if he is missing you, even if he is thinking about you, even if he does want to bring you back, you shouldn't do it because this is not good for you. That's, like, something Linda will never really say because she doesn't care about Monica. She only wants this to continue so that she can make her power play. Heather, why can't you just be a friend? Why are you such a mega bitch? Do we think that she even knows at this point, like, what her endgame is? Or if she's just flying by the seat of her pants because Uh, this is an opportunity for her to be involved? Yeah, it seems like she's, I don't know, she just really wants to be right in the middle of a huge story or something of significance. Something to make her feel like this vital member of the whole... (laughs) whatever is yeah. going on and maybe get like a book deal or something out of it yeah she wants that um, book deal she wants to call margo martindale back <laughs> yeah uh she's just so pathetic <laughs> it's so sad like the sitting in the chair yeah. with your lean cuisine that's the oh highlight of my oh, day is yeah. heating up a potato and the watching microwave the... dinner and eating in a load in front of the nightly news <laughs> that is the saddest thing i've ever heard in my life the highlight of my day is when I microwave a potato and eat it alone in front of the nightly news. Right. Like, oh where every part of that is <laughs> bad, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Even, like, a salad would be better than that. A potato. That's a plain fucking potato. In the microwave. Yeah. Because she's dieting. It's her oh diet potato. And, like, what we know now about how that's, like, I know. It's not going to help you with your diet. This gives me such, like... I remember just like stabbing a potato 20 times with a fork and putting it in the microwave. And I'm getting like such uh, like it's, bad feeling, bad yeah. memory, you know, about that. And she's talking with Monica when they go antiquing. Oh, I could never meet your mom. She's Beverly Hills. At least let me go on Weight Watchers first. Yeah, just talking about like, dieting before meeting someone's mom. I know. It's so awful. Linda offers her some pastry or something and Monica says, I'm still depriving myself. Mm-hmm. I'm still depriving myself. Oh boy. You must be worth it. That's Linda's such like, a telling fucking sentence. And yeah. Linda's like, oh, it's been ages since I've had someone to worthy of depriving myself. myself. Yeah. And it's ah! like, oh my god, it's so, it's so awful. Sorry, <laughs> but it's like so honest, I it guess. It is. Like that's yeah. sadly a thing. 90s. The self-awareness of that's what we're doing, but then also this is what we need to be doing. What we need to be doing. Yeah. It's like we know full well what we're doing. It's our job as women to make sacrifices to be appealing to not just people we want to fuck, but just anyone we want to impress at all. Right. And to do that, we have to deprive ourselves. <laughs> I sometimes wonder, like, what else could I have accomplished with all this time I've spent like, right? obsessing yeah. about my weight or, I don't know. I guess I just mm-hmm. felt like, oh, God, I remember, yeah. you know, like, yeah. I hope things are different now. <laughs> just ever so slightly. Yeah, well, I guess I picked the wrong time to be a human being. <sighs> what else? We want to do, like, hot probs, meaningful passages. Oh, yeah. Our format. <laughs> Shut up. Hot probs is on. Oh, shit, yeah. Personally, I'll say I don't have any, because it's a pretty solid show. I still have the same one. Turn on some fucking lights. I yeah. Do not, especially the scenes where people are, like, in their own apartments. It's like, why is it so dark in here? Like, yeah. when Cat is over, it's, like, so dark. I don't like that. It's obviously a stylistic choice, but I'm going to hate it every time. Well, maybe it won't be every time because it's a different director every episode, but yeah. We'll see. are definitely was... going for a unified look. So the idea is that that life was pretty dark and drab. Like, the decor everywhere is dark, the light, the lighting is dim. 
Yeah, she's living with her mom, and her mom is a really wealthy woman. I guess they have different schedules. The, her mom's the relationship not always in bed. with her mom, <laughs> I wish I had known a little bit more about, and you get to see that later mm-hmm. on in episodes where Mira Sorvino is more prominent, but they have like a interesting relationship. I think her mom knew about the affair. I mean, it was just like a closely held secret. Yeah. And I want to know more about that. When I was watching it initially, my hot prob was, why aren't we seeing more of Hillary at this point? Mm-hmm. But it'll happen later. Edie Falco's awesome, but yeah, I don't really have many. I, I I really love the way that Monica is portrayed in this. I just feel like, oh, she's so young. The line where she's like, I feel so stupid. She knows that she's in this cycle. It's all like turned on herself. I just felt so sad where she kept saying like, I feel so stupid. She likes this older man who's the president and he's really like dicking her around. You know, giving her those crumbs of like, oh, you get to sit in the first row to watch him read a speech on the radio or something and he doesn't even say hello to you. He says hello to like some woman in the back. Testing. One, two, three, it's all under the guise of like we have to keep this a secret but really i'm sure he loves the control too and i think everybody knows oh the girl with the pizza's here you know and it's like everybody it's sort of like this open secret there's definitely lots of shots of people just around the office kind of like rolling their eyes almost or right yeah like extra long glances at this or that yeah obviously like the secretary really knows (laughs) what's happening yeah it's this weird like juxtaposition of she feels really special but then like i'm sure she notices all these people around her i don't know they're right. ushering her into Not rooms really and, like trying to hide yeah. her and stuff Another yeah it's like here. Right. You feel special, but they're not treating you like you're special, you know what I mean? Next call. I've already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Mopey Dick, if you know what I mean. The way that she's referred to by these people, like the girl, the girl is here with the pizza, or the intern. In fact, at one point, somebody unnecessarily says intern, says you, and she looks, so she knows that he wants to talk to her, and then he says intern. You. Intern girl. Drop this at Stephanopoulos. He makes a point of dehumanizing her even after he has her attention. Right. And it's, so it's not like, I didn't bother to learn your name, so I don't know what else to call you. It's like, I'm making a point of telling you you're the intern, reminding you you're a nameless intern. Yeah, and she's like at the water cooler and need you now. You know, she's just on deck for running to the next room. So that's probably also part of the attention that he gives her is like he remembers her name and he calls her by her name and he's the only one who does really. So I think they're doing a very good job of showing how she got swept up in it all. And I mean, Beanie Feldstein in general is like <laughs> so good in this performance. Yeah. Her wide eyes. <laughs> yeah, she's great. But yeah, I thought that was very meaningful. The the girls here with the pizza. I liked the line, you work from home. I don't know what you have to complain about. <laughs> yeah. What? Like you have a stressful job or... I mean, if I can be honest, you work from home. I don't know what you really have to complain about. I thought that was was very funny. I like when they first show him and he says, I like your sweater. I like your sweater, Monica. Really, I like your tits. Yeah, because it's like a tight little sweater is what it is. It's not not much of a sweater other than it's form-fitting. When she goes back to the Oval Office, he's like, I just don't want to get addicted to you and I don't want you to get addicted. It's like, Um, wow, that's that's intense. The election is over. I just don't want to get addicted to you, and I don't want you to get addicted to me. It's intense, and it's also like classic manipulative. Yeah older man controlling the relationship pretending like he's as invested as her yeah Yeah. well i'm not gonna be able to do my job with you around or totally but i do feel like anytime (laughs) a man tells someone like don't get too attached to me like that's the one thing you need to listen to you know like yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) that's him telling you how he really feels right i liked ann coulter telling the i don't know who those lawyers are maybe they work for ken star She's like, you're boring. I'm bored. To be clear, the goal isn't to embarrass him. It's to constrain a president who has engaged in illicit activities. I'm bored. You're boring. That's the problem with you Republicans. You're a Republican. Mm, I'm a conservative. You're all too nice. What does that get you? 
It gets you dull. What's wrong with dull? Um, he lost. Idiotic American females couldn't wait to reelect their fat boyfriend. She was kind of right. Like, this is what the Republican Party turns into. A total fucking circus. Well, that's how the Republican Party became the Democrats, and the Democrats became nothing, and the new party emerged of fascists, basically. Right, I mean... <laughs> it's like, it's... Republicans aren't fascist enough, or in culture is what it is, really. I really thought her line was pretty significant about, this isn't about justice, it's about impeachment. Which is so fucking telling, that's like the conservative battle cry, basically, is, I don't care about justice, I just care about winning. Right. I yeah. care about destroying my opponents like that's the goal republicans are too focused on doing government work for her taste yeah <laughs> just seeing her in this to me it's crazy where she was like well you have bob dole and they're like what's wrong with bob dole and like <laughs> God. it's not sensational enough for her i laughed so hard when susan carpenter mcmilla was like all that matters right now is the supreme court the same supreme court that made it legal to murder children what? Oh my gosh. Yes, unborn children. Paul so was like, what? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like she doesn't oh know what gosh. she's talking about she's exactly. Like, what happened? Yeah. I love, I love her. Anytime Paul talks to me, I'm like, we didn't even have a dealer. <laughs> yeah. I've never been in a Nordstrom's before. We didn't have Nordstrom's in Lone Oak, Arkansas. We didn't even have a dealer's. My mommy used to send off her patterns and make our dresses right there in the living room. I also like the line, he loves gifts more than any adult man I know. Well, the president loves gifts more than any adult man I know. I'll make sure he gets these. Oh, yeah, that, that was so hilarious. Yeah, that really was great. funny. He's a child. <laughs> kind of, yeah. They really do exchange a lot of gifts. One of the recaps I was looking at, I had a link to the official court documents that had, like, the list of all the gifts they gave each other. And it was a lot of, like, mostly from her, but he would give her stuff, too. Like, in the show, all the gifts are real. Like, the book of Jewish jokes, oy <laughs> And, like, frogs apparently had a thing for frogs, because oh. he was always getting, like, little frogs. Oh. Oh, that's funny. Do they ever explain the frog thing? <laughs> I don't think so, yeah. She got him a lot of ties and frogs. That's a thing later in the show, too, about the ties. Him wearing them on TV and mm-hmm. stuff and for her to, like, notice. And, I don't know, the hat pin was kind of like, that seems like a grandma gift to give somebody or something. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Well, let's just, I mean, he says, I like when you wear hats. Yeah. So it's basically yeah. a way of him saying, like, so when you keep dressing like this. Because I'm into it. And she did wear a lot of hats. Yeah. So that's very fucking telling. That That is true. That was because he's like, I like on your hats. I didn't even know what a hat pin was. Like, I I thought it was a letter opener when she (laughs) opened it. I'm like, what is that thing? It's definitely not something that our modern eyes would recognize immediately. Yeah. Oh, a hat pin. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote Beyond Moist. Oh, Oh, God. She's done it again. The refrigerated Snapple, directly on the desk, the part that is, in theory, a shared zone where I lay out my JCOC pamphlet proofs, but I can't now because it's moist. In fact, it's beyond moist. The Snapple bottle. The refrigerated Snapple, right on the desk. I love how Linda and her cubicle mate hate each other so much. Linda, can you answer your phone? I'm gonna kill her. Like right now, you're gonna watch a murder. That is very funny. No, that was my other meaningful passage is when Linda tells Monica, I'm gonna murder her. You're gonna watch a murder right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah Paulson is absolutely destroying this role. Okay. So fucking good. The way she delivered the line beyond moist. Right. Her face? Oh. Like, God, she looks so disgusting. Oh my God. Uh, and then, am I boring you? She's so abusive. She's so abusive. Hello. Am I boring you? <laughs> no. Uh, it's just... Let me guess. The mysterious boyfriend. Still no call. And the whole thing is, like, she wants all the juicy details from Monica. She's such a leech. Even if she weren't doing this to further her career, I feel like she'd still be like this. Like, tell me all your young person troubles so I can give you terrible advice and be involved and tell you I told you so and right. give herself purpose. Like her line about, I have a gift, but no one sees it. That should be on her tombstone. 
She's forever getting the raw deal. She's a very aggrieved person. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wrote down, this is how my boss dressed when I worked for the state. I always thought she looked kind of sad. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny because this is how my boss dressed when I worked for the state. <laughs> I always thought she's kind of sad. Mm. Well, you don't look sad. And I love that because it's like, I mean, it's not like anybody... The clothes were just so bad at this time period. Yeah. They were not good. Monica looks really cute, but a lot of the time that some of her stuff is a little over the top, but yeah, just the whole like drab power suit Washington thing. Yeah. Like it's it all... is sad. It's very sad. There's nothing, no colorful options with it either. And then even like the heels or anything like with any kind of like a lift on the heel, they were all just so chunky. Chunky <laughs> yeah. and blah. They were like blocks. And I think it's like partly because they do have to fucking stand all day long like they're always standing and walking so yeah. you really can't have like sexy heels but you also can't have flats for some reason <laughs> you have to make a show of wearing a heel you're gonna be judged on your clothes but like they're so ugly i don't know <laughs> it's hard for me to understand so cute clothes guys <sighs> but especially all of linda's jackets Linda, oh. I was thinking, yeah, Linda has the worst stuff. Oh, yeah, it's very Talbot-y, <laughs> yeah. kind of. But I'm sure it's so expensive, like... Oh, yeah. And also just, like, the weird boxy fit, you know, when people, like, wear baggy stuff to, you know, because they're uncomfortable with their weight, you know, and it's like, but it just makes them look so much more frumpy, you know, like, it's just, yeah. like, Which I'm sure is something unspoken between Linda and Monica, because they're both larger size women... But Monica still dresses sexy, and mm-hmm. Linda does not. Right. And I'm sure she resents Monica for feeling comfortable enough to do that. Right. Totally. Yeah, and, like, Linda Tripp is basically, like, I'm closed for business or whatever. I you know. know like, I'm never going to date again. Never going to. I know. And it's like, I'm it's how just old a... she is. I want to look up how old she is. Like, how old was she in 1995? It's been so long since I thought to deprive myself of a guy. Really? Come on, there must be someone. Oh, I'm closed for business. Come on, no, you're not. Well, it's been seven years. I wouldn't even remember how. That's definitely a type of woman from that era, too. Because, yeah. like, that was, like, my mom was like that, too. My mom was like that, too. Yeah. She got the divorce, and she's like, I'm done. Yeah. Like, no sex drive, no desire for romance. So like, so like, soured on men forever. She yep. was only 46 years old. Yeah! I know! I mean, she did marry again eventually. Actually, the thing with the Bavarian Christmas ornaments is a little Easter egg, apparently. I am just wild about Christmas decor. Oh, and it's Bavarian. She ended up marrying a German... Oh, really? Something. What was it? Where I wrote it down. <laughs> Architects. And they opened a winter-themed holiday store in Virginia. Because <laughs> oh, they both yeah. love Bavarian Christmas. Later, there's an episode of a Christmas party she hosts. And she's, like, obsessed with Bavarian Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything. It's kind of funny. She's like, Monica, let me take you antiquing. And it's like, that sounds like the last thing a 20... I mean, like, me as a 22-year-old antiquing yeah. sorry that i'm not interested in and it that. didn't seem like she bought anything she went to the mall later and then that's where she went shopping <laughs> yeah i mean it's just such an unlikely friendship you know like it's just yeah just bonded by being you know stuck in this terrible office stuck. yeah mm. it's just interesting it's just wild how much time they spent together yeah <laughs> it's, it's really wild I did write down, you are really special to me, don't ever forget that. That was such a meaningful line to me because that is like such a bait line from a man who is not going to commit to you at all but wants you to be available to him. Right, yeah. Oh my god, and then her line oh, her line about cats like you didn't tell him you were in love with him, did you? Monica, please tell me you didn't tell him that. Oh my god, what did he say? He said... That means a lot to me. Oh, that's rough. <laughs> I'd die. I know. I would die if I had an exchange like that. <laughs> yeah. I love you. That means a lot. But how that's like enough for her. Kind of not enough, but like she doesn't take it as I got to cut my losses. Right. She's yeah. like, well, that's all you can do. So I'll just be here for that. It's so bad for Monica. Oh, Monica. <laughs> ah.
Do we have a lunchtime poll? <laughs> I feel like we have a lot of ideas for a lunchtime poll, so gotta choose which one. Yeah. This episode did make me think a lot about a guy who's just not that into you, but isn't ready to let you go. Oh, yeah, I've got one of those. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I can think of one. That's an option. What else do we have? The slizzy friend with the bad advice? There's two kind of bad friend things, but the other one... I feel like getting hosed by a friend should come later, because mm-hmm. it hasn't really hosed her yet you know she's in the process of Um, hosing yeah Yeah, being down bad for someone bad advice what's like a silly thing you did when you were down bad for someone kind of i don't know like like yeah yeah oh yeah i feel like i have a good one yeah so this is what's called a lunchtime poll well, do you want to go first then, anyone? Sure, I'll go first. Okay, this is going way back in time. This is probably actually earlier in time than this show is, because I was down bad for my old pal Carmen, my first oh. real love. So this was, when was I dating? Like, I was like 19, 20, so early 90s. And Carmen was a guy I went to high school with, but we didn't date till after high school. And I took a couple of years between high school and college, so it was like... A year after high school, I was still living in my hometown. And, like, I knew Carmen, like, a little bit, like, just kind of by sight. Or, like, we had some friends in common. What happened, like, how we ended up getting together, I guess, is that one day, like, I was walking home. I was, like, three blocks from home. And I see him drive by, and he's... I I can't remember why we knew each other. But anyway, so it was, like, he was dropping off someone that he worked with. She lived, like, three blocks away from me. And he was dropping her off, and he saw me. He was like, hey. And then basically he dropped her off, and then I got in his car. And and that was, like, the first time that we sort of hung out. I mean, Mm -hmm. we didn't hang out. It was just, like, he he drove me home. I was three blocks from home, and he drove me home and asked me for my number, you know. And then we were sort of, like, dating on and off. But he was a real dog at that point. Things ended up totally different. Mm-hmm. But at that time, it was like he had a girlfriend that I didn't know about. I was down bad for him big time. So anyway, so it was kind of that dynamic that, like, I was doing some waiting by the phone for him sometimes. Mm-hmm. So sometimes what I would do, it would be, like, purpose, it just intentionally be right over in that spot. Like, it was like, okay, it's like 20 after 5. Yeah, <laughs> if he's dropping that girl home, then he's going to be, you know, just be like... Walk up and down that block until his car shows up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of embarrassing. Oh. <laughs> it's alright. No hard feelings about that one. Yeah. yeah. It didn't turn out terrible or anything. He's one like I sort of accidentally broke his heart like five years later. So. Oh wow. I know. I have I have only fondness for him. I mean, I'll never see him again. I never saw him again since. Whenever that was, like 95, I guess. But I did look him up. He's married to a ginger. So. Oh. <laughs> Still lives in my hometown. Well, yeah. that, I was going to ask. That was my follow-up question. Was if you ever lo- <laughs> Googled like, him? He's the only ex that I've ever looked up. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, I had somebody that I held this torch for 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 a long time since college and it just kind of like continued for entirely too long um but he came to seattle a few times but it was never to see me but like he came out for like some sort of oh it was like a bachelor party or something and i kind of like waited around for you know like when he would be free Mm -hmm. and like you know it was just like the kind of like taking the crumbs kind of like to hang out and then it was like so excited because he told me like he's somebody that like always dated people who were like nowhere near the state that he lived in (laughs) and like would tell me a lot about oh I'm dating this girl I'm not really that into her you know it, mm-hmm. it was always like that kind of like mm-hmm. just keeping me interested. Like you're available yeah he's right, available ish. right and I think yeah. I think I gave him I think he knew yeah you know I think like it gave him a real boost to know that I you know was so sure. you know yeah. and um, but like he came out and then he came again to Seattle he's like yeah I'm visiting this girl I'm dating and. I was, like, so crushed. The girl was from Florida, too, and I was like, oh, that's cool. A blonde from Florida. (laughs) But, yeah, and it was the same kind of thing. Like, he still wanted to hang out and stuff, and then, like, it was just like I made myself available. Any text or anything. It was such a thrill. Kind of like how I operated a lot with guys. I thought that I needed to chase them you know Mm -hmm. and it wasn't interesting to me if it wasn't work or something (laughs) i don't know that's a whole separate thing but i really did a lot of work 
<laughs> for that person. Mm-hmm. And it just went on for too long. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's my answer. That's gotta be, yeah, that's gotta be it. That's like a type of person who just collects crushes and like yeah, doesn't want to give anything back to them, but it's just like, oh, I have all these people that are interested in me, and so I'm just gonna do just enough to get them to keep being interested. Right, yeah. And it kind of like, it didn't necessarily keep me from dating people, Mm -hmm. but I I always compared everyone to him. Oh, yeah. And I, no one was... Somehow in the back of my mind, I was just like, I'll end up with him or something. But like that, that did not happen. And that's, it It went on for way too long. (laughs) We're all cringe, I guess. Everyone in the world. Yeah, I think we've all been cringe at some point. I mean, what he who is not cringe. (laughs) I don't know, catch the first tweet or something. I don't know how to end that. I'm so negative. My answers are so depressing. I mean, it's a depressing topic. The question is, like, when have you made yourself... When are you a fool for love? Yes, thank you for putting it Uh, like that. Well, anyways, you guys are so positive. Well, I haven't gone yet. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I'm still going through it now. Yeah. Like, like I can talk about this Carmen thing because it's like nothing, you know? Yeah. I'm still processing a lot. Mm-hmm. I had a bad September in a lot of ways, and I'm realizing I'm still dealing with it. So. No. Sorry, Annie. No, it's okay. <laughs> okay, well, I got one. Um, so <laughs> I planned on moving to London after graduation with my friend Faye. And I was just dating around, you know. I was like, I'm just going to have some summer flings, and it'll be fine. And I actually, like, broke up with this one guy who expressed to me that he was serious about me. And I was like, well, I better break up with him. Because I'm going to be leaving and I don't want that. And that was like my whole breakup speech was like, this is getting too serious and I don't want a serious relationship before I move to London. Which is like very reasonable, right? Yeah. So then, of course, I go and fall for this guy like really hard who, in retrospect, was indulging my intensity about it because he knew that it was going to end. So he worked at a video store and... Suddenly, like, my rentals ramped way the fuck up. I'm, like, returning them in the store, even though they have an outside drop box. I knew his schedule. I would definitely go, like, when he was working. I was so crazy for him. I'm sure I told him I was in love with him, and I'm sure that he responded, like, not in a non-committal way. And then I moved, and we broke up. And we, we talked about it, like, we weren't going to wait for each other or whatever. But I was still so crazy about him. That I would buy phone cards just to call him and, like, try to call him after he got off work. Like, I would be like, okay, he gets off work at midnight, so I'm going to call him at 12.30 because then I know he'll be home. And it was, like, so hard to call people from Europe with a fucking phone card to people listening who've never used that. (laughs) Like, if you misdial, it's like 50 numbers you're entering into the payphone. (laughs) And if you misdial, you have to start all over again. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. It was so hard to do this. And I would always be drunk, of course, when I was doing it, too. Oh my god, it was nuts for him, and I was like, you know, whatever, making out with guys and trying to party and trying to forget him, but like, I really related to that line that Monica says about, like, I just wish I could stop thinking about him for, like, one fucking minute. Yeah. That was just me, like, everybody I dated was like, but it's not him. Like, I'm not feeling the same things when I make out with this random dude as I did when I was with this guy, and I was just kept thinking, like, if I send him letters and we keep in touch, and I made him a mixtape that I mailed to him from England, that was, like, a big deal. Wow, yeah, that's like a labor of love, yeah. (laughs) And then he wrote me a letter afterwards, and then like one side of it was like, kind of, I'm in love with you, and the other side was like, fuck you, you asshole. Yeah, it was just a whole thing. Like, we were not together at all, but he was still on my mind big time, and I could not get over it. And when I got back, I waited to call him because I didn't want him to know how much I was into him. But then he contacted me and was like, emailed me and was like, are you back? And we should hang out. And I was like, I am. Let's hang out. And I totally was like, are we getting back together? What's going to happen? We hung out. We had sex. And then afterwards, he was like, we're not together. And I was like, what? That was just a really rough time. I have a really hard time getting over that fucking guy. And it's not that, like, he ruined my time in Europe because I had such a good time. And I was definitely bawling out all over the place, you know. But he, like, was just there in my mind the whole time. And I wish that that hadn't been the case. Because, yeah. I mean, who knows how much more fun I could have had if I hadn't had that over me the whole time. Right. Um, I don't know. Why don't we end this thing? <laughs> 
Greetings and salutations. Greetings and salutations just to anyone right. who's down bad right now. Yes. Thank you. How about that? Someday you'll barely remember this guy. Or you'll remember every detail about it, but you won't be down bad for him anymore. Yeah, I guess that's a good thing to say. Yeah. It won't be forever. Because, I mean, I'm not still down by this guy. <laughs> I got over it. But it, at the time, it seemed impossible. And Monica's okay now, too. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's something about being down bad. The slow burn versus the intensity, like, right off the bat. Like, if you're down bad for someone, does that mean it's good? For me, what I, I think of down bad means is, like, when you're into someone more than they're into you yeah i think so yeah, yeah. it's different than being in love yeah. or That's right having yeah a crush on someone, i feel like it's being into someone and there's something off about yeah okay yeah. Yeah. and in fact my friend faye would tell me repeatedly while we were in london and i was like i was like this <laughs> that she would be like you're only doing this because you want a connection to seattle it's not him it's like the idea of like someone at back home that you are into. And I don't know if that was right or not. I don't know if that's right or not. But I mean, he wasn't like the one or anything. He wasn't good for me in so many ways. Um, yeah. But I was still so into him. I mean, she was right in the sense that he was not good for me. She was definitely right about that. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, the infatuation. It's so hard to think objectively or anything yeah. when you're so into somebody. It is. I was just trying to think of what's some advice to impart for somebody down bad and I can't think. Well, I think Kat has good advice, which yeah. is like, if he isn't making you happy, then you got to cut, it, yeah. cut it out. I feel like one of the few good things that holds up from Sex in the City was the he's just not that into you thing, like that yeah. episode where they're totally dissecting the behavior of someone that Miranda went out with, how like he didn't come up because he had to get up early. But, you know, he probably really did have to, have to get early. And then Berger, who's Ron Livingston, was like, if a guy is into you, he's going to make it happen. If you're not hearing from him, if he's turning down, coming upstairs to your apartment then he is just not that into you you know like that's what i feel like if someone is into you you don't have to sit there and analyze every morsel that they've thrown you or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. it's good advice i mean i yeah, feel like if, you, if you're into someone but it makes you feel bad that's what down bad is you know like it's yeah Right. Exactly. I have heard that it's good, actually. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode of Paid in Puke, please take a minute to rate us highly on your preferred podcast listening apparatus. If you did not enjoy this episode, no further action is necessary. Paid in Puke is hosted by Annie Malone, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. Music by Silent Partner. Follow us on Twitter at Paid in Puke Pod, on Instagram, at Paid in Puke Seattle, and on Facebook at Paid in Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.